Hey, this is Akuya Jamfi, and you're listening to TBB Talks, a podcast where we from the British Blacklist bring you our conversations with creative black folk from the UK and across the globe. We'll be talking to up and comings, headline popping, and the legends from screen, stage, music, and literature. Basically, if they're creative, we'll be talking to them. And we hope to shed some insight into their lives, the work that they choose, who their inspirations are, how they stay motivated, and more importantly, how they keep sane being black in the arts and entertainment world. sun's out there's that so how long have you been in london been in london for about three weeks now how often do you come back and forth i'm basically never here we shoot snowfall in the states in la so i go there maybe september and i'll be back like may june so then i'll do a bit of the summer here but then the problem is i never really get to chill out because i'll probably be doing some other project in a different country I'm never really in London anymore. So, did you officially say you were like an LA native? Kind of no, no, I can't <laughs> take that title yet. No way. <laughs> yeah, but you are, you're, you're gone. You left us. You are what? You are officially American or something. I'm like running that. back though. My hands are still out. I'm praying to be taken back. So. Really? So when did you when yeah. did you go to America? When did you make the decision? So I auditioned for Snowfall in London in 2015. Oh wow! Okay. It was March 2015, and then I got the audition, and whether that is doing a tape or flying there on my own money to audition or being flown out as the, the rounds started getting further and further. And then July 23rd, I booked the role, 2015. So what was the process like? Was it a long back and forth? Oh. the first um, audition was obviously a self-tape okay and then they loved it and then they were like hi my manager was like hi um can you be in la in four days just meet sorry la what i'm sorry i like i had no idea that these things happen so quickly sure i'd never been to america before paying for myself because it's it's round one so i've hardly got any money and i'm paying for myself to go to la I remember the ticket was 400, 425 pounds. That's yeah. pretty darn cheap, so, but yeah, if you don't yeah, have money, yeah, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah. So then <laughs> I go there, I audition, and I blow my weight. And I come back to London, and I'm filming a movie called City of Tiny Lights Yeah. with Pete, Pete Travis. So then I finally get paid for City of Tiny Lights, and they call me and say they want me to audition again. So all the little one grand, two grand, whatever I made from City of Tiny Lights, which I thought made me rich, I would have to spend <laughs> on a new flight and Airbnb and food and whatever it costs for me to get to LA again. So I go there again. Now I'm doing a chemistry read with Lauren London and D. Ray Davis. And I flop because every time Lauren London looks in my eyes, I'm about to pass out. So... Oh my God, wait, 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 pause, pause. So, even like Paul, let me just, before we get to Lower London, and you're obviously infatuated, how did the um, audition even find you? Because cause you had an agent who was looking out for work pieces, or? So, Sebastian Dill did this amazing uh, US reel with a bunch of actors in like 2014 or 15. Sebastian, the director, and, yeah. Yes, and then he, he did one for me, and it was basically me just showcasing my talent 
from a US perspective. So from that, Femi Ogans sent it to a bunch of managers in the States. Okay. About five came back to us, and I ended up choosing Stephanie Moy from Elevate Entertainment. So one of her first auditions that she sent me was Snowfall. Did you think it was going to be big? At what point were you like, okay, this is something to be involved in, especially with John Singleton? Uh, I'm infatuated by Denzel Washington. Okay. <laughs> As we all are. We all are. As we all are. And American Gangster is my favourite movie in the world. So I get this break down and it says snowfall franklin saint and i'm like what yeah so then i'm reading it and they don't give me the full script it's only like three scenes and they're talking about yeah selling a kilo of cocaine and i had always had in my head oh i never want to play a drug dealer or the hoodie number one or whatever but i remember seeing frank lucas and seeing how prestigious denzel played that character i thought hmm i wonder if i could bring that same type of high class prestige to this kid in South Central LA. I know there's people in the world who are like that from those areas. They're just not shown like that on screen. Um, so I was over the moon to have the opportunity to give them a fresh take in my tape. Because I could imagine everyone who auditioned would be like, yeah, what? Yeah, cuz. Yeah. Like all that stuff. You yeah. know? But I thought, hmm, why don't I just make this guy exactly like good kids that I know in Peckham yeah they still live in Peckham but they're good kids yeah 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 you know what I mean let me do that in the equivalent of South Central and I was able to pull it off and I think that's what kind of separated me from everyone else that was auditioned that absolutely shines through in your character the way you play Franklin and it is you kind of trick us no actually it's not about trickery it's actually <laughs> watching your character evolve it's like you've got an innocent face and you could probably get away with a lot but you've got that innocent <laughs> so I'm saying it with a mummy tone like hair <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's but it's true, true. it comes through in your character because yeah. especially with the evolution of Franklin he's not 100% clued up but he's got this edge no. to him so how much research did you do into his character was it inspired by Frank Lucas boys and Peckham that you knew that were good what else was it that you brought to him? Who else were you thinking of? I was thinking of a bunch of people. I was thinking of Walter White in Breaking Bad. Sure. I thought Brian Cranston's performance was great. That he's this chemistry teacher who is so unassuming, but turns out to become this kingpin. And it made me think we put so much pressure on people who get into this business, but we never think about the reasons why they get into it. And we never understand that they're not born like that. So my main thing was going to L.A., and looking at the people there and understanding the soul of an L.A. native and why they are how they are. So what, did you, know you go into I mean? the hood, as it were, and sit oh, around yeah. gangsters? Did you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So how one did that work? Audition, so one of the audition stages was me walking through South Central L.A. with John Singleton, and I wasn't allowed to be British. So I'm still auditioning, but in my head, I always speak things out. So I believe this role was mine as soon as the email came through. I was already preparing to play the character, even though I was auditioning. So me and John Singleton were walking through South Central L.A., and he's testing me on my accent. That's why we're there. He's like, yeah, I've been told I have to be American all day and walk the streets of South Central with him. And I'm talking to him about stuff that's going to feed me when playing this character. I'm talking about how the neighborhoods were before crap came, how it was after everything changed, how he was in his community, why he's able to go off and become this fantastic director yeah. and other people go off and do 40, 50 years in prison. But they're from the exact same neighborhood. These are all things which kind of fueled how I play the character, what pieces of, of research I needed to play the character. As soon as I realised that he was an empathetic character that we could relate to, he was an everyday man, he was intelligent, he was someone that 
it's just born in these circumstances and just falls into this tragically, but could also equally be a CEO of a company. That was really important. Does that reflect on you actually growing up? Because there is, especially now, there's a lot of conversation or actually actual things happening with kids on road, stabbing, killings, drug dealing, all that type of stuff that's happening. And Peckham is a very stereotypical area where it's not often that you will get the success story or we get success stories and they're not talked about. Were you ever in that position where you like, you could go left, you could go right? A million percent. I think the thing that a lot of these kids don't have is uh, not necessarily idols, but role models. And a role model doesn't have to be someone that you interact with. Me growing up in Peckham, I had a lot of friends who were doing bad stuff. Yeah. I was in that world for a, a small stage and I'd look at my older brothers. They were my role models. I had three older brothers who... Okay had lived that life in Peckham too, who were able to pull me by my ears to the side and say, hey, if you do this, this is going to happen because it happened to me. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that, and that's what we need to plant into these communities. Mm. We need to pl- plant more role models into the communities. Not just an adult who's say- telling a child, don't carry the knife, don't do this. We need people who are close to their age to talk to them. I was talking to my friend. He plays for Dulwich Hamlet. Uh, his name's Naren Clunas, a footballer. And he, um, both of us were trying to be footballers um, when we used to live like in Peckham when we were younger. And he said the way he stayed out of trouble was this youth centre called Leighton, basically. And mm. all the kids there were only two, three years older than him. And only now that he's older, he realises, wow, these guys were basically my age and they were telling me and teaching me, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. And that's, that's what it takes. I, th- I feel like we speak a different language to these kids on the roads right now and they're just the connection just isn't happening. I think you're right in that. I definitely think you're right because it is finding peers, peer-to-peer conversations. And it is, I think we do have, again, the, the negative pictures portray that every kid in the hood is just out there trying to sell drugs and trying to be a criminal. But you also, you do have those that say, you know what, we see your starlight. We see that you've got something different. 100%. Don't, don't go down 100%. our path. We yeah. can, we'll support you out of it. Yeah. And it's not always a dream as well. That's something that kind of is disheartening to someone who's growing up in you know these areas because they're like, well, I'm not talented. I can't play football. I can't do music. I can't act. What about me? What am I going to do? Mm. And it's that's not the case. You know, there's there's many examples of people who go off to university who do great things. Um, I know so many people who grew up in Peckham who are now working in Dubai and oil companies. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just a different state of mind and those people need to be heralded just as much as the actor, the musician Absolutely. and the, the athlete. We all need to get into it together. Exactly. So what about growing up then? Are you the youngest of six children? Oh, yeah. Because I suppose, like, I've got it's one daughter. Slaps across the face, man. Just a bunch what, of slaps a... across the face. So literally, you have to go down the... <laughs> Everyone went down the line and gave you one, t- one slap. Just one little slap <laughs> on the back of my head. Just one by one. <laughs> my mum, um, such a trooper you know i had a single mom and you know my dad wasn't around as soon as i came out of the womb for yeah. me particularly so i had three moms my actual mom my two <laughs> older sisters <laughs> and and three dads which are my three <laughs> brothers and you know we now party with each other and you know and talk grown to each other now but they've played every single role in my life wow. they've gone to being my older brothers to seeing that wow 
dad isn't around. We now need to be men for this kid. Mm. So then I became my dad. And now that I am a man, now we're best friends. It's actually really beautiful. Not everyone in the world has that. Not at all. But So that's why I say I'm extremely lucky because although our surroundings were bad, we were able to stick together and see that the world's such a bigger place. You leaving that secure family unit to then not go off and chase your dream, that's a bit daunting. Mm. And it's quite mature of you. Considering you're the youngest, that's still a big step for the baby to go off. Because I always wanted to be a footballer, my family always had that support. When I said I wanted to be a footballer, they were like, oh, here's £100, here's £200. Oh, you had that trial. Oh, you need to be in Manchester to do okay. this. I'm going to be the one to drive you. They've always seen me as like the person who's going to do something different. And so when I started acting, it was actually triggered from my sister who said, yeah, go and do drama in Bruno University. I don't want to do drama. I wanted to do sports science or business studies or something. But that shows that maybe what were you a bit of a character at home then? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They they were like, listen, you've been making people laugh and doing all these jokes at every family gathering. You need to take that into account. And that's why my earlier career was kind of comedy based until finally, you know, discovering Denzel and Sidney Poitier and also looking at my peers as well and being like, Wow, I wanna do this type of work. So who were your some of your UK influences? The beauty of it was a lot of them were around my generation. I didn't really know who Idris Elba was when I first started acting, but I knew who Malachi Kirby was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew who I knew who Daniel Kaluuya was. I knew who uh, John Boyega was. You know, I, I knew who Ad- Adeleo Adeo was. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of people who were my age who have no idea how much of an influence they had on me understanding what way I want to go. You know, and that's what I strive for. So how did the relationship with you, Femi, and identity come about? Okay, so I went to Bruno University, of course, mm. studying drama and TV film studies. And then I meet an actress who's gone back to university called Kathy Tyson. Yes. She's in my class. She says, hey, you need to meet this writer called Ade Shalanke. She's doing a play and you should be in that play. So then we, I go and meet Ade and she casts me in her play. Which play? It's called Pandora's Box in the okay. Coliseum. And then she cast me in it. It was actually a reading at first. I do the reading. I collect my £100. I'm like, okay, that's the end of my acting career. And then a couple months later, she's like, yeah, we're doing a play and we'd love to cast you for the role as Toppe. I do the play and there was an actress in the play called Anna Marie Nabir. I can't pronounce her last name. She's a queen though. And <laughs> she was signed to Identity. And they obviously came to watch their, their actor perform and they're like, wow, who's this kid? Little did they know I had been I trained for like a week at their their um, school previously okay. and left. Yeah, and left because I wasn't available to train anymore because I was doing the play. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, yeah, they asked all their teachers, this damn just kid, who is he? Um, and their teacher was like, yeah, we gave him a distinction um, for his performance last week. Da, 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 da. So then, then he signed me and then the ball was kind of in my court, I guess. It definitely seems like you've spoken yourself into existence in this career path and it's it seems very well suited for you. So then jump to now, you're in LA meeting John Singleton, the legend, <laughs> and... He's obviously the man that's given the final word, like, yep, we want this guy. You said you knew the role was for you from the email. Mm-hmm. I think you just, you know, like, spiritually, you know that. But in meeting him, do you know, can you recall the moment when he was like, when you knew that he was like, yeah, I'm going to go for this kid? Oh, he never wanted me to play this part. Really? No, no, no. Because I'm British. Yeah, I understand. Um, 
and it's such an American story. You yeah. know, there's, there's many stories like this. Fences, the August Wilson stories. Yeah. Uh, there's just a bunch of um, times where that's happened. Um, and it was going to happen again with um, John Singleton. So I really had to <laughs> convince him that, yeah, no one can play this part like me. And the funny thing is, when they said... Snowfall, the director of this, the creator of this, is the director of Boys in the Hood. I was like, wow, I know Boys in the Hood. Yeah. Boys in the Hood, like, is what opened me up to America. Before that, I thought America was just Brad Pitt and Hollywood, you know? So, finally, meeting him was quite crazy because I went to his office thinking I was just going to see Boys in the Hood stuff. And then I see a million movies, and I'm like, you made... Baby boy, you made Poetic Justice, you made Higher Learning, you made all these amazing movies. You did Too Fast and Furious. And then he became this bigger thing, and then the nerves came in. Yeah. So that's how it happened. <laughs> um, but it was it was beautiful just having to convince him, because now he's my biggest fan and my biggest champion on the show. And FX Networks were great, and the showrunners, producers, they all wanted me to win from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but I wanted everyone to want me to win because that's the only way I was going to be able to play this part. Yeah, yeah sure. confidence. Because I knew that I wasn't going to give them something that they were expecting. So, yeah. Hold on. So, Lauren London, I don't remember her. Okay. This is very secret information I'm giving you, but because you're British Blacklist, I'm going to give it to you. But hold on. Okay. <laughs> Before you continue, know that this is going out live. So, does, is this yeah, my yeah. secret or is this the world's secret? <laughs> Uh, it, it's, it's just alright let me just say it okay let me just say it okay. I'm confident right now I'm walking off and I rub my tops off okay I'm, I'm feeling myself <laughs> so okay so, so um, the first time we did the pilot there was a bunch of other actors involved and Lauren London was playing the part of Aunt Louie oh okay yes and Deirdre Davis was playing the part of Uncle Jerome uh, Jill Scott was playing a part of my mum. This okay. is all. This is all information that's out um, on various like articles and stuff. When I auditioned and I'm doing a chemistry read, and Laura London's right there. I mean, you don't understand. I'm, I'm from Peckham. I understand. <laughs> I went to Woolworth Secondary School. I've got close friends, and we used to sit in lunchtime and just look at the just go home and go on MSN and just talk about this girl, you know? <laughs> and now here she is. I couldn't wait to get out of this audition and just tell my friends, like, oh, my gosh, can you believe me? I'm just acting with Lauren London, bro. Oh, they were going crazy. They were going crazy. They were saying, next time you see her, get pictures. Yeah. But the funny thing is, after that audition and that chemistry read with um, Lauren and D-Ray, they called me up and said, hi, this isn't going any further. Oh. Oh, yeah. This is... um. The third audition. So then I go back to my Airbnb. <laughs> the lady who owns the Airbnb, like, who never lets me sleep. I was just cutting my eye at her. Like, you know, Airbnbs, when you go abroad, they never want to let you sleep. They just want to keep talking. Okay. Like, just let me go to my room. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I get back. I'm looking at her like it, like I had a bad audition and it was her fault. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, how, how did it go? I was like, yeah, yeah, it went all right, man. Get out my face. So I go to, yeah. go to my little room or whatever. And I get on my knees and I pray to God and I say, thank you so much for getting me here in the first place. This has gone way beyond my wildest dreams. I never even thought I'd ever come to L.A. so soon in my career. And thank you for getting me this far. Mm. I go to sleep. 
pack my bags and stuff. I'm like, yeah, about to go back to Peckham. <laughs> and then they call me back. Kim Harden, the casting director, and she yeah. says, um, we've had a huge talk and we want to give you another chance. But go back to London and then you'll come back in a couple weeks and you'll spend the whole day walking around with John Singleton. And that's how it happened. Oh. So you can imagine oh, the stuff that was going through my head in those two weeks back in London. I mean, so that's going back to your rock and your support at home. But how old are you in 2015? Um, I was 22. Okay, so that's a lot 20, to deal 20, with. 22 or 23, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. a lot to deal with being away from home, being in a space of, like, your your crush and legends like Joe <laughs> Scott, D-Ray, and, and then John Singleton, yeah. them telling you, ah, this is not happening, go home. But then, actually, yeah. this could happen. Come back. That's a lot of stuff to manage. So, how do you, even just as an actor in general, when you go for these highs and lows of in this career, mm. how, what is it that keeps you kind of sane and you know not going off the edge? The people around you. I yeah. truly think the people around you, and it's all energy. I'm the type of person who, anytime I'm doing stuff, I like to keep it on a low, particularly amongst my peers. My yeah. family will know, but. My active peers, I would never tell them, oh, yeah, I'm about to go sit down with Steven Spielberg and talk mm. about this movie. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And not because I don't want them to get as well, but because I just don't want the energy to shift. Like, yeah. It's a weird thing. Like, I, you could love someone, but in the back of your head, if you're doing the same thing, even 10% at the back of your mind might be thinking, wow, I don't want this person to get this I because get that. that's a reflection of my insecurities, and that's a reflection of where I am in my career right mm. now. He's sitting down with Steven Spielberg. What am I doing? At the start of my career, that used to be me. And then as soon as Snowfall came, I said, you know what? No, I'm going to call up my friend Tossing Cole. I'm going to call up my friend Letitia Wright. I'm going to meet them. I'm going to tell them that, yeah, this happened, this happened. I'm going to go on Snapchat. I'm going to talk about this whole audition process mm. through Snapchat. Before I knew it, I had so many people rallying behind me praying for me that it was inevitable the role was mine i mean that's a human thing we get scared it's, and it is about your own personal insecurities because we get scared about what other people will set off your own doubts and fears and sometimes it's an escape if we say that oh i told too many people then you can shift the blame yeah. to them and maybe not take accountability yeah. for whatever made whatever you potentially did wrong or that yeah, maybe yeah, just admitting yeah. that okay this particular thing wasn't for me at this time but it might you know be always seeing the positive yeah. in it and you know keeping quiet and letting the work do the talking that could only happen if you have a great support system and great mm. energy around you and i've got peers and actors that i know i can tell them anything i'm doing and they won't think any type of way they're going to be happy for me 100 percent, and vice versa and i think everyone needs that and i think to be honest even if they're not because you can never know what people's what people are really thinking regardless if they smile in your face uh -huh. it doesn't matter because what, what's for i you, rebuke it yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah basically I back to sender exactly that's yeah. basically it return it absolutely because yeah. it doesn't matter cause if it's for you no one's Bad juju can do anything to you. It'll, it'll, <laughs> exactly. It'll be Actually, where are you from? Damson Idris. Where is that name? Because obviously, I am. I am Nigerian. Idris is actually Muslim. People need to know my second name, Aladibo, because as soon as you see that, then you'll know that I'm straight up Lagos to the core. Oh. Um, so, can I just pause you here? I'm so disappointed because I thought maybe I could I... claim you in Ghana. 
I can't because you're, can. you're just me no. Me coffee, yeah. You can now. Okay, you're trying small. Don't you're trying worry, small. Man. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm, I'm all of Africa. All of Africa. Okay. So Idris is a Muslim name, not... Yeah, but Idris, Idris is a Muslim. My mom and dad are Muslim. Okay. Um, so that's where that's from. Aladi Bo, my grandfather was called Aladi. And Bo in Yoruba is like come basically they just come so basically Alade has come again basically okay. if that makes any sense yeah yes. and in Dampton I don't know what my mama was thinking um, but it's good <laughs> it's a good solid a name damn son I have no idea what she was thinking <laughs> but um, yeah I love the name because it's in the dictionary and apparently I'm a delicious purple seafruit so that's great there's that um, yeah. And speaking of being a delicious purple sea fruit, um, so you're obviously a handsome young fellow from the UK. And I am ste- butchers. Don't put that out there. I'm clapped, please. Okay, then. You you <laughs> pretend to say that. Remember, I was trying to um, marry you to my daughter, but you're just a little bit too old for her. Um, and she studied. I don't want her distracted. So, <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> stepping foot in LA with your British accent and your dark skin, how do you feel off? The attentions of the ladies. I can't keep them off me, man. It's it's white on rice. I cannot look at you. It's, <laughs> it's fine, man. I'm I'm so like low key, so I don't really. I, I talk when I'm spoken to. Okay. Plus, there's a I'm, there's a queen, you know. I've got my eyes on in London, so. Oh really? Yeah. Tell me yeah. more. Tell me more. Are you talking? Are you talking? What's happening? She's just a queen, isn't it? Like, oh, oh she's just a queen, you know. So yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It's it's weird, you know. Being young, everyone around me, particularly older people, you're young. Like, stay out here in these streets. You've got so much more to experience. But no, I think you're as strong as the person who's with you. And um, I feel like, you know, having someone who you're with to be your biggest fan is really important energy wise and you know with you going forward and what you accomplish and i think i've found the one oh my goodness this just sounds so rich and so wonderful i wish my daughter was like two years older i'd be like forget that queen i have a real queen for you Um, (laughs) but that's good to hear because it is i think sometimes people do say you know sow your oats get out there and go wild it's not necessarily about that and i find i think sometimes the understanding of relationships is misconstrued, especially from adults, jaded, bitter, cynical adults. Mm. Yeah, so I'm glad you've got that kind of mentality. Good luck for you and your queen. Um, <laughs> let me know when the wedding is, please. I'd like to attend. So can you tell us a bit, so before we wrap up, can you tell us a bit about Franklin's journey in season two? Because season two is going to start when in America? July 19th. Ooh, that's soon. And do you know when it's coming to UK, the second series? Well, I know it will go again on BBC Two. Okay. Uh, last year we aired July fifth, and it came to BBC Two around October times. Okay. So I'm thinking probably around the same time, or okay. maybe September. Yeah. Okay. So then, can you tell us a bit about Franklin's yeah. journey? What's going to happen in season two? Oh, uh, well, in season two it starts roughly around three months after the finale of season one. Yeah. And Franklin and his crew, you know, the business is just really booming. Now they're running into a lot more money now. They're starting to ve- to develop a bigger name in the streets mm. in South Central, and that's causing a lot of hate and a lot of outside forces to try and take over. Um, there's a lot of police influence, CIA influence, 
There's a lot of interaction between the three worlds in season two. A lot more scenes with Franklin and Lucia and also with Franklin and Teddy and with those two as well. So I think this season is hits the ground running with regards to spectacle and character. You know, you're really going to fall in love with everyone. So you're going to be torn. Okay. You're not going to know who you want to win. And that's the beauty of it. Franklin, of course, is still the sweetheart that he was in season one. But through the actions that he's having to face, he's, his soul's being tripped away slowly. Yeah, man. Slowly, you know. And hopefully you still love him by the end of season two. So does that, does, is, is, I mean, maybe it's a bit hard to say right now, but does it, is, is there an opening for season three? Do you know how long this could potentially run for? Is there an end vision in sight or is it going to run um, as long as it runs? I'm done, man. Yeah, after this, I'm, I'm, I'm gone, man. I can't take this. No, I'm joking. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I was I, like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, we all know what the, the story of crack is, you know, and sure. we know what it did to our communities. Um, so and not just in South Central, you know, in in London too. Yeah. So I feel a show like this could definitely go for a solid five seasons because there's so much in there. You know, there's yeah. gang influence, there's you know police brutality and police corruption and celebrity influence and music. Crack cocaine really had a huge influence on on pop culture. Yeah. You know? So so I feel like that's something that can definitely be incorporated in the seasons to come. Yeah, I definitely, I think, touching on when you said that you were reluctant to take on a role that's about, you know, a drug dealer and that hoodie number one type thing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we are from the... Because I think when I heard about Snowfall, I was like, oh, no. But then I thought, okay, if it's done properly and actually does tell the story of it in a way that's more 360 than just, okay, there's a bunch of drug dealers getting hype off of Glorifying making money. Yeah. yeah, but no making way. it, um, yeah, yeah. humanising the story and where the narrative... And actually really do touch on how it flooded into... In, even even a naivety because when you just when Franklin discovers what crack is he at that point doesn't know that it's going to destroy the community so in that, and that's the beauty of it yeah, yeah I mean I don't think that cocaine's a light drug to take but at that point in just coming out of the back of the 70s when it was a hedonistic kind of drug party drugs, vibe yeah. yeah people didn't yeah. know that okay this rich man yes mm. This ad, 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 um, evolution of cocaine is going to be so detrimental and a specific, to a specific demographic as well. So it's interesting that his history, the historical establishments of this series, which is great. And I do really hope it continues down that vein. Otherwise, I'll be calling up and I'll be beating you. And so <laughs> leave the show immediately. It's not doing what I want it to do. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, I think it, that that's you do bring a good element to it. It is a good show. Um, so Thank what's you next? So much. I mean, you're getting to film. You're going to be filming, um, or you have filmed, farming from Ade. The story about yes. his. Um, can you tell us yeah. a bit about that? How that went? Up? I'm, I'm really excited because, um, you know, particularly Nigerian culture hasn't really been touched on. Yep. Um, greatly in the UK, particularly from the 70s, you know, and then 80s. We don't really know that story and how we were treated and how we got here. Yeah. Um, farming focuses on term farming which refers to young nigerian kids being fostered by white parents foster parents just to just to pause you a minute it happened to a lot because it happened in to Ghanaians as well so it's a lot of west Af- okay. i don't know if it's specifically west african but definitely a lot yeah. of west african people kids went through this definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. myself included myself too so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i i just think it's a, a great story to be told because 
this story focuses on identity, motherhood, mm. and you know, it's a lot of things and, and elements in this movie that can relate to a lot of the youth of today, you yeah. know, with them trying to find out who they are. Yeah. Um, I play the character of Anyton. Uh, he's a 16-year-old boy who's growing up in uh, Tilbury, England, 1983. He's being fostered by Kate Beckinsale. Okay. And you know, and you know, he he runs into Google Mabata Raw's character, Miss Dapo, who's a teacher at his school, who you know tries to you know change him, you know, and make him a better person. Mm-hmm. Shows him that he should be proud of where he's from. Um, but it's a it's a great journey for this kid. You know, mm-hmm. it's the director's story, real story. Yeah. And I really think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this. And it's going to be able to show people how we might better interact with each other on a racial level uh, today. So it's in post-production. When's it coming out? Do you know? Mm, Well, um, it's looking like it's going to be in the fall, hopefully. Yeah. So so that's all really exciting um, because, of course, it's my first movie that I'm leading in. Mm. And it's it's really going to set the bar for where I go with the movie world going forward. I'm excited um, for this film because, as you said, the topic is going to be it's close to my heart and I know it's going to be close to a lot of people that I know's heart. So, and I'm, I know that Ade's been taking a long, it's been a long time him getting this project off the ground. Yeah. So I'm really, really, yeah, exactly. I'm so excited for him. And for you, because yes, it's definitely going to be a launch pad along with Snowfall. So what kind of, I, mean, I suppose you're going to just say Denzel, well, what kind of career <laughs> path are you looking for? Uh, there's this guy, um, he's mm. really talented. Not a lot of people know him. Uh, his name's Denzel. What, uh, that's <laughs> Denzel or Denzel with a D? Yeah, I get you. <laughs> you know what it is? My main thing when choosing characters is stuff that's going to challenge me. If sure. I'm frightened to play a character, then I'm going to do it. Like, sure. If I'm like, wow, this is going to take a lot of work, then <laughs> I'm going to work really hard to try and get into this character so then it's equally more compelling when someone watches it. No one wants to see a cat play a cat. That's how I choose my roles. And also just speak them out, you know. What's for me is for me, and what's for someone else is for someone else. So going forward... I'm really excited to show the world what I have to offer. Yeah, we're excited to watch it. So the World Cup's on. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm really annoyed with the Black Stars. I don't know where the Black Stars are. I just are. burnt my Nigerian jersey. Let oh. Me know. I, the, the lovely one that everyone likes, I just burnt it. I was going to say, I was just about to ask you if you got you managed to get your hands on the kit. Also, did you manage to dash away the kit? Because what's going on? Uh, what group are Ghana in? Huh? Uh, what? Hold on. This is not is about. It? Wait. This what is. Group? We're not. What group is it? Hold what on. How many times? Oh, we're no, taking. There is no group zero. Wait. Uh, sorry. I think. I think what we need to establish here is that when was the last time? This is the first time in a long time that we're not in the World Cup finals. I know. I'm playing with Ghana. Are bad boy team. Like they're really, really good. But I don't know what happened to us this year. I'm really annoyed. I don't know, but I think you don't need to support us and rally behind us and scream for us, and and then you'll see us do better. <sighs> Nigeria let me down, but don't worry, we'll come back stronger. Is there another game, That's isn't what... there, before you lot are kicked out? There is. <laughs> There's no more games before you get kicked out. Hey, uh, I was <laughs> just stating there. facts. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. Um, <laughs> also, England, man, I'm not going to knock the team that I, the country that I was born in, you know, and you know, I'm really rallying behind England. I don't have the England jersey because I ain't got that, that umbrella connector. I don't even know what, what 
Nah, man. I mean, see, my rule, I don't like football in itself. I only like just about watch the World Cup, especially if Black Stars are playing. And my rule is African teams, then the teams with the most black players, then England, wherever England factor afterwards. Then England, wait, have you seen any black people in England? But that's what I'm saying. So whatever team has the most... Well, basically, whatever team has the most black players, if England's in that kind yeah, of grouping yeah. then cool but if they're not then we're going to park yeah. you know palm down to the last bit yeah that's no, very Maybe good we need some white players in nigeria <laughs> wait let's not let's not do that for an exchange just yet what's going to say what's your what's your predictions for the win who's going to win who's going to take it for the world cup yeah well i got brazil in the sweet thing that they do or whatever i got it with my family we all okay. the team out and i got brazil so hopefully brazil win then i win money but for my heart, I would love for England to win. Okay. Judging off the fact that Nigeria lost their first game yesterday. So it's looking kind of peak for them. So okay. I'm going to rally behind the, the team that's most likely. And that's England. But after Tunisia, who knows, might bounce back to Brazil. So, yeah, might be. Yeah. All right, cool. And how are you spending the rest of this summer before you go back to LA? If you've, if you've Ooh, got time. I am going to do things I've never done before. I'm going to try and... Maybe go to wireless. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try and go to the carnival. I'm going to try and support more uh, UK artists. And, yeah, I'm just going to really try and focus on family and my loved ones around me because I don't see them now. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Very, very good. Well, yeah. thank you so much, sir. Of course, anytime.